Galatians chapter 2, verses, oh dear, 19, 19 to 21. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live with God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Morning. Thanks for turning up. <laughs> it's cold, man. I'm still used to Queensland weather. We lived there for nine years, and uh, I've got my two jumpers on, and that's how it's staying, because um, I get so cold so quickly, and uh, I'm just happy to have this stuff to keep me warm this morning, so hope you're not too cold. I sat in the sun for a while this morning and didn't want to move. But, um, wow, what a message. Christ in you. This message has impacted me so much. Um, it's very personal for me. It's a journey I've been on, and... Uh, one of the concerns I've had is the um, apparent weak link I feel sometimes between what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago and the relevance in Evan's head in 2016, you know. It's kind of like um, I hear people struggle a little bit with this concept of what he did, you know, and it's kind of like it's a little bit irrelevant sometimes or it feels like it's a bit faded in terms of what he did. Um, and I know that in terms of sharing with others, it's, it's such an important thing to be able to articulate it and to, and to sort of have it, you know, to have this truth within us that Christ is in us. Um, but we have to understand what he did on the cross and how relevant that is. And so that's, this message is about that, the truth of Christ in us, um, and how do we make that work? How does it work? Okay, let's get this thing going. Press on. Cool, got that. All right, where are we? So before I start, is this okay? Can everyone hear me all right? It's all good? Sweet. Okay. So, we'll touch on this verse at the end of the talk, but I just want to, it's a little verse in Ephesians 4, 6. It says, and one God and Father, it's an attribute of God we're talking about here, who is over all, through all, and in all. Now, you can think about that later, but what an amazing verse. We've got, I just want to proclaim who God is right at the start here. He's over all. Okay, so everything, every authority, every system, every man-made thing, whatever, he's over all of it. I mean, he should be. He created it, right? But we need to think about this. He's through all. So he's through every situation of ours. Okay, he's through it and he's in all. He's not in some or in part. He's in all. Such a powerful truth. Let's just think about that for a minute, about how big God is and how amazing he is, that he can be in all of our circumstances in everything, whether we believe him or not, whether we're a Christian or not, doesn't matter. He's here. He's in the building today. He's in our lives. He's in our finances. He's in our relationships. It's an amazing truth. I once had a, um, in terms of the power of God and the wisdom of God, I, I was working underground in the mines. I was two k's underground having lunch. And, um, and uh, so once you're down there, if the cage is out, you can't get back up. And if you forget your lunch, it's, you go hungry. You know, you're working 12 hours it's no good. This guy forgot his lunch. And um, poor fellow, the guys are working it out and divvying up their lunch a little bit to give it to him and stuff like that. I, was, I didn't know that. I was off in the corner. And, um, and then I hear this, hey, Mel. I said, yeah. They said, um, do you really believe in that story in the Bible about the loaves and fishes? You know how they divided it all up in the 5,000? I'm like, oh, yeah, right. And I, talking about how God's in all and through all, that moment I know that God's in that situation. You know, he's not, God's not going, oh, I wonder what he's going to say. 
you know. I didn't know they were going to say that. He knows that. And so, and if we have that mental, you know, kind of presence there, we understand this truth, um, we can allow God to flow. So they asked this question and immediately the Holy Spirit just came and I said, well, yeah, actually it's pretty easy for a guy who can create a world in seven days, you know. And I just kind of went, oh, I didn't expect that. And I didn't expect that either, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, we have to, and this, this message is about the sufficiency and the power of Christ in everyday life, you know. So I want to encourage you that, that he's in, in all and, and through all and over all. Brother Lawrence lived in the 1600s. There's a quote here, let us look to God. He wrote this to a friend of his. Let us look to God with these eyes of faith. He is within us. We don't need to seek him elsewhere. Little Hagar comic there. So they're in the middle of a battle and he's ordering a hot dog. He says, I'll have two hot dogs with the works. And his mate's going, can't this wait till after the battle, Hagar? You know, we have distraction, don't we, in life? And um, this is a battle for souls. And I think one of the issues we have is that as Christians, um, we can be distracted from the reality of Christ in us and the implications of that. So that's what we're talking about today. For many years, I lived the life of an unbelieving believer. I was focused on my own works, pleasing others and trying to please God. Also, I wasn't experiencing God's power, peace and love and many other things that God was supposed to provide. So combined with the pressure I felt to share my faith with others, it was a terrible existence. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, actually. Um, And yet I was doing many good things for people in the community, um, in my work, in church and so on. And while on the outside all these things looked good, it didn't matter to God because he wanted my heart. And so he wasn't going to let me find fulfilment in these things um, without being fully reliant on him because it was me doing the work, not him, and that was the problem. Why are there so many struggling believers? Have you thought about that? It's on my heart all the time. I was one. Why do we not have the real peace and joy often talked about, you know? Why can't we see the power of God? in our everyday lives, our eating, sleeping, walking, everyday lives, you know? So our lives can be like a flower pot, Christian or not, doesn't matter. We look great while we're bringing everything we have to a situation. It goes well for a while, but like anything sustained on its own, it can only last for so long. We get worn out, burned out and cannot continue. Our families at home bear the consequences of a daytime of projecting our best selves out there and they see us as we really are. Being a flowerpot person is not sustainable and we actually end up looking like this. That was me. And our lives become a pendulum, swinging between performing and falling in a heap. Performing, falling in a heap. We're looking for something to sustain us and then it doesn't last. A life of works that relies on ourselves as the source does not work and the key is to get out of the whole system of works and performance. What we really need is rest from that and actually coming to a point of rest and seeing the power of God work in our lives instead is truly good news and showing people this truth and how it works so that they trust in God is sharing the gospel. I had a nagging sense that something wasn't right in my life. I was living to please others and living to please God, trying to please him I was living from brokenness and didn't understand the completion of what Jesus had done on the cross. I didn't believe or realise that in my life everything I needed was actually already there. He was already there. The God of the universe was already there. So the first step to finding rest in Christ is to actually trust him enough to stop working in the first place, just to stop. 
And God used some of the hardest circumstances in my life to bring me to the end of myself, to my knees. Breaking my pride. I told you this is real to me, eh? <laughs> it's just real, it is. You know, stopping in my own efforts and my life changed dramatically as a result. Everything from relationships to work to family to finances. Um, my joy and my peace and my confidence and love for others, absolutely everything has changed. And because it's not me being the source now, then God actually gets the glory, which is what's supposed to happen. And it's all him. There's nothing I can boast of in myself, and I'm so free. I don't care. I don't care anymore. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast your care upon him, for he cares about you. You know, A friend of mine says, There's no point two of us caring, and he cares better than I do, so <laughs> let him care. <laughs> The biggest struggle in the Christian life is the struggle not to struggle. I'm so often concerned that people struggle with exactly what they should do with the Christian life and to make it work. And not only that, what Jesus did and if that has relevance today. You know that slogan, what would Jesus do, that came out a while ago? The comedians used to say, oh, here's a new merchandise, what would Jesus do? Capsicum spray, you know? (laughs) But um, no, I've got my own slogan. It says, W, oh, what is it? What did Jesus do? You know, what did he do? What actually did he do? And how is that relevant? We need to know what Christ did and what he does, and this is absolutely central to everything about life. So let's look at this verse in Galatians here. Is this working? There we go. That's the NIV we've read before. Oh, no, we're going too fast now. Come back. No. Holy gooey. Need a license for this. Okay. All right. Galatians 2.20. Now Paul's saying here, my ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it's lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going back on that. So here's Paul, completely released from pleasing people. And how many Christians would love to not have to please God anymore? But that's what he's talking about. Is this guy even a Christian? Look, it's no longer important I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. Now, that's not a worldly sense, I don't care what you think, I'm doing it anyway, because you're still driven, you haven't found rest. This is true release from actually the opinions and the thoughts and the good opinions of others that we work so hard to get. But he's also saying, I'm no longer driven to impress God. That's a huge thing. I spent my whole life doing that. Wow. And what's the key here? Look in there. Christ lives in me. That's the key and that's the source. So now the life you see him living there is not his. It's lived by faith in the Son of God, just receiving Christ. That's all it is. Faith is receiving. And he said he's so determined on this, he's not going back on that. That's huge. He works in all our circumstances all the time. Did you know that the Christian life is simply about receiving the work of Christ? And that's what faith is, trusting that he'll come through, that he's big enough, powerful enough, loving enough, wise enough. So let's look at what Christ in me actually means. It's the very spirit of Christ himself. Let's have a look at Romans 8.5. And now what the law code asked for and couldn't deliver... 
And what the law code asked for and couldn't deliver, we couldn't deliver, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing, Romans 8.5. We can cease from all our work in life trying to please both God and people, including people we're still trying to please from our past. Some of us are still trying to please our parents. I've spoken to 60-year-olds that are still talking about the, um, the emotions of growing up and you, know, you can just tell there's this thing going on there. The ultimate authority in the universe has declared and made it possible that Christ is in you and none of it is our own doing which means if we accept it, then none of us have to sustain it either. He lives there because he wants to. He's more comfortable in us than we are with us. you know. And if that's for real, why do we have trouble seeing it work in our lives? Why don't we see evidence of this amazing power happening in our very circumstances? And if you're one of those people, don't feel condemned, so was I. This message is all about the completed work of Christ, and so we'll find the answer there. Let's talk about how it's possible. This bugged me for ages. I'm like, how does this... I'm like a mechanic person in a sense. I just want to know the mechanics of it. It's through a law that now applies from Jesus' completed work on the cross. Quite simply, it's wholly through his work. God made a permanent decree that satisfied all the spiritual legal requirements where he can willingly and powerfully live in us. It's all him. Start to finish, it's an amazing concept and the reality of him in our lives can outstrip our ability to believe it or keep up with it. We need to spend time contemplating this life-changing reality, the very spirit of Christ. If you haven't yet received Christ, hopefully today you'll see how easy it is because there isn't any work you have to do. Just realise you have nothing to bring to God and instead rely on his work and invite him in. That step of humility and faith is the only key we need for the rest of our life for him to flow and we'll talk about that more. So now we have this situation where in the Christian life we're working from completion, not towards completion. That's a big key difference compared to all the other things we see in life, the world structures and systems and religions, is we're working from completion. We're not striving anymore. It's there. Christ is within us. The word's very clear about that. You know, Colossians 1.27 is another one. Paul's like, Christ in me. The essence of our message, in a nutshell, is Christ in me. Nothing more. We've talked about this in Galatians. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Okay? So we're working from completion. Everything we now do is from a place of rest. The completed work of Christ sustains and carries us through the circumstances of life. Not just the big stuff, but the daily, everyday stuff. There's nothing we need to add to the equation for his power to be effective in our lives. We can rest and we can see his power move in our life at the same time. So it was put, made possible through a law put into place after Jesus' death and resurrection I have to expand this in another talk, but the universe sets on a, runs on a set of laws. We know that laws of physics, gravity, etc. There's a spiritual law in play here. And after completing this work on the cross, Jesus introduced a new legal statute, a new law, and it trumps the old law. Let's have a look at Romans. Therefore, we're very familiar with Romans 8.1, but this is Romans 8.1 and 2. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death was the only thing that separated us from God. Now this law we're talking about now is a new spiritual law enacted 2,000 years ago. It shoots right through the generations, right through to 2016, just as the law of gravity does. It hasn't changed, this law doesn't change, and it has absolutely annulled the law of sin and death. The ability for Christ to live in us is as powerful today as that 
if, if Christ rose from the dead yesterday. Christ can live in us just the way we are because the powerful spiritual law he enabled allows him to. Paul says now we only have to die once and it's only a physical death. Our physical death is just a doorway out of our time-based existence into eternity, but we're never separated from God. We all have this, all that the Spirit of Christ is in us and everything that that means right now and today. Now, does that get you excited? I'll tell you what, it gets me excited. To think that it's possible that the very life and the Spirit of Christ that lived all that time ago, the guy that walked the earth, ministered to people, loved them, performed miracles, healed them, and ultimately rose from the dead. The Bible says that Spirit, that whole Spirit, is in us. Christ in us. The proof of God living in you doesn't have to be confirmed by your belief system, your mind, or your emotions, although that will come. Whether you recognise it or not, if you've invited Christ in, 100% of his spirit has moved in and is alive within you. No more struggle. Let's have a look at Colossians here. Paul's saying, well, about the fullness of the Christian life, what about it? Well, entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. Well, praise God. I was sick of doing that. No, you're already in. Through what Christ has done, already gone through for you, destroying the power of sin. We're free now um, to choose the power of Christ in every circumstance in our lives. We're completely blessed as we can be and no person is more or less than another. We all have the fullness in Christ and we're powerfully and um, sustained by him. The world wants us to compare and compete. It relies on people wanting more than what they have and we're conditioned throughout our lives to look outside ourselves to find the answers. But we don't have to. Jesus does not expect anything from us and he's provided for all our needs. This is truly good news. So, what prevents the flow of Christ? If he's in us, he's comfortable in us and it's the very spirit and the power of Christ, what's going on when we don't see him work in our lives? It's basically an incorrect or faulty God concept. So not understanding deep in our belief system of who he really is and a pride and unbelief. We end up being a flower pot all over again. Christ is our source and we close the door to his life by making a choice. Choice is completely ours to make. God has left us with choice. We all have choice and we can open and close the door many times a day. By closing the door, we'd rather trust in our own efforts than trust in God's efforts. We don't believe God will really come through for us in a particular circumstance. Our belief systems are very strong and they go beyond the realm of our mind. They sit very deep in our emotions And they rule us. They're developed over years of experiences. But having our belief systems line up with the truth is very important. I'd like to make a quote here very briefly from the book Saturate, which we've just finished in church. It's an amazing book. Everybody lives in light of a larger story. They are rehearsing these stories in their minds all of the time and the stories provide the lenses through which people view their worlds. A person's dominant story will significantly shape their beliefs, behaviours and everything in his life. The dominant stories for most people are their family stories, the unique context in which they grew up. Randy's view of God as father was primarily shaped by his life with his earthly father. As a result, Randy had a very hard time going to God in prayer and calling on him as father. Until Randy turned from his father as the primary story of what a father is like, and turn to Jesus as the picture of what the true father is like, his primary story was not based upon the gospel, the true and better story. 
It's very common for our concept of God to actually reflect the nature of a significant person in our lives, usually from our childhood. We transfer our experience of our earthly father, for example, onto Father God. And so when someone says, we have a God who's your father, that elicits a huge range of responses for people at an emotional level. And if it's not biblical, it prevents us from trusting him. We'll talk about that in a sec. Let's quickly have a look at this God concept idea. Now, this is how we can stop the flow of God through our choice in our life. He's there, he's living there, we know that. But we need to see him in the everyday circumstances of our lives. So these are our basic and most deepest human needs. A need for love, need for acceptance, need for assurance, need for significance, a need for security, and a need for total commitment. And people run around, Christian or non-Christian, as humans, we run around looking for that everywhere. Through our status, through our appearance, through our abilities and skills, all the sorts of stuff. We always look through food, shopping, drugs, alcohol, whatever. Anything that we use other than Christ to meet these needs is actually idolatry. It's looking at something else other than Christ to meet our needs. Now, if we have an earthly father that doesn't line up with a biblical concept, we might have someone that looks like this. God that's not there. He doesn't help. God doesn't listen. He has commands I can't keep. You can insert your own experience or your own you know, feeling here, but this is what happens. We have a God that judges me. We feel we have a God um, that's out to get me. Life is miserable. I'm not good enough. He doesn't care. Now, here's the problem. At an emotional level, this is more than just a Sunday thing, amen, praise God, we walk out the door. This is when the storms of life on Monday come and knock us flat. Our belief system kicks in then. That's our strongest thing that rules our life. And so can you see that when we have a circumstance, we've got this need for love and acceptance. Are we going to turn to that God? Why would we? Why would we turn to a God that doesn't care anyway, doesn't listen, is not there, you know? But we've still got these needs. They don't go away. So here's the problem. And not only that, then we hear on Sunday we should go and share our faith. How are we going to share that God with anyone? You know, we don't want to. I don't want to. I'm having trouble in my own life, you know? I'm at capacity here trying to meet my own needs with this God. It sucks being a Christian, <laughs> you know? That can happen. That happened to me. I used to, I used to be jealous. I wished that I could know God just before I died. <laughs> that way, I wouldn't have to worry about pleasing God, this God, or whatever God, you know, the God of my belief system. I wouldn't have to worry about that, and I can just live my life free, you know? So, and, but Christians live bound up. They struggle because they've got to please this God that doesn't, can't be pleased, and you've still got these needs. It's terrible existence. But it can be fixed. So, let's have a look at this. I want to very quickly bring some truth and point us in the direction of who God is. Firstly, in 1 John 4, 8, on the bottom of the screen there, you can see that God is love. Great truth. God doesn't choose to love. He doesn't get up and say, mm, I think today yeah, I'll, love, I'll love that and that and maybe not. Mm. And so, I don't feel like loving today. He is love. He's the essence of love. In a sense, he can't help but love. Okay, So he is love. Now, the love chapter in the Bible that we all know is 1 Corinthians 13. And really, God being love, we can look at God in this light. God is patient. Isn't that true? God is kind. God is not jealous. God does not brag. He's not arrogant. God does not act unbecomingly. God does not seek his own. God is not provoked. God does not remember wrongs. He does not rejoice in wrongs. 
God rejoices in the truth. God bears all things. God believes all things. God hopes all things. God endures all things. God's love never fails. While Christ lives in us, our concept of who he is will determine whether or not we choose to turn to him in every circumstance in life. All right. So pride and unbelief closes the door. Very quickly, this is, a, this is Christ's life. We're the tree there. He's our source. The doorway's closed to Christ's life. So he's there, but he doesn't flow in our life. Why? Because of pride and unbelief. If we have a wrong God concept, that he's not there, doesn't care, doesn't listen, we just don't believe he's going to come through. The door gets closed and we go back into our pride system and go, I can do this. I can meet my own needs. I'm going to go and get some love. I'm going to go and get some acceptance. I'm going to work hard at my life and meet those needs. And we're actually close to the source of life itself. So it's being a flower pot. But how do we open the door? Humility and faith. Humility and faith open the door to Christ's life flowing in the everyday circumstances. Humbly invite him into every thought, every conversation and every decision and every word and he'll be there. Humility is simply saying, I have nothing to bring to this situation. And the quicker we say it, the better. Just realise Christ is always the much better option. Faith is our receiving muscle and at the same time as saying, I have nothing for this situation... We also open our arms to Christ's love. It's saying, okay, I've stopped, you start. It's about receiving, saying that you can provide the love this situation demands. You can provide the wisdom I need. You can provide the courage to carry this through. So it's in a sense, we come to a situation and we step aside and let God come and actually be the peace that we need and actually be the words that we need. That's exactly what it is. And that's what Paul says when I deny denying self or dying to self. He's actually just, you just get out of the road. So you've got a situation you're confronted with. In every situation you're feeling anxious, you're feeling worried, you want some acceptance, you know, some significance and all that stuff comes up. You're talking to someone and you basically I just step aside and Christ comes. Because remember, he's in all, through all and, and over all and he's in every situation. He knows about it. He doesn't know what's happening now. He knew it was going to happen a long time ago and he knows what's going to happen next. He knows I'm here, he knows that person's there, that situation's there. It's okay and it will work when we let God through and that's what this is about if we're doing something in our own strength it's unsustainable so let's recap what Jesus achieved on the cross was to enact a new powerful law that says simply by accepting his work we legitimately have the very life of Christ within us he willingly and permanently moves in once we invite him once he's there we can choose his life to flow into every moment of our lives and it's effortless We do this by understanding the true biblical nature of God and getting this into our belief system. Spend some time thinking about God and who he really is. Don't struggle to believe. Remember, the biggest struggle in the Christian life is the struggle not to struggle. Then begin to trust God with all of our being. We know we can't sustain our own efforts in life and cease from all our pride-filled and unbelieving ways. A daily, moment-by-moment choice of humility and faith keeps his flow and his life acting in every area of our lives. Since I've started doing that, everything in my life has changed. I know Christ is sufficient to meet every situation and it's not about me. I know if there's peace, it's God's peace. And it's not fake, it's the best peace available. If there's love, it's God's love, you know. And if there's ideas and wisdom, it's God's ideas and wisdom. And I can be confident in that. I'm at the end of myself constantly. It's what Paul talks about, denying yourself daily. And now God has his rightful place and it's a place of peace I've never known before. 
Only God can bring that. On the outside, in our family, in ourselves, we've had more challenges I ever thought you know, that our life would bring. But it's also brought up about the life of Christ flowing in me as I've come to the end of myself, as I've constantly said I have nothing for this situation. So, implications of the everyday stuff. What happens now? What's the next one? Here we are. There's that verse again. So now we have Christ in us and we move aside and we let him flow. What happens? Well, we've now ceased from our own efforts. We're no longer competitive. No one else has to be either. We're at rest. We can accept everyone and it comes naturally. Because Christ is powerful to live in us, we can confidently just go about our lives. Not scared he's going to move out. He wants to be there. Our identity is secure and we can talk with anyone about anything knowing that Christ is in us. Outward appearances mean nothing. Performance means nothing. We're just loved and so is everyone else. Status means nothing. We don't worship high flyers and we're free from coveting other people's stuff and things and all that. And neither do we ignore those that our performance-based world would reject because this life's no longer about us and we're not rejected by criticism, we're not exalted by praise. We're free from caring about others' opinions and we're free to just care about others full stop, just loving them. We see that the gospel becomes true to its namesake. It actually is good news. And I've finally come to that point. (laughs) So sharing with others becomes natural and it becomes a compelling within us because of what Christ has done in us, you see. And what we do has nothing to do with who we are. Helping your neighbour, talking with the homeless, cleaning the church is no less meaningful than earning heaps of money, travelling the world or being liked by others. None of it matters. We stop striving. We can dive into our humanity, celebrating our weaknesses because our weakness is the very thing that drives us to the end of ourselves and allows Christ to flow. Our goal is not self-improvement. It's truly all about Christ and his sufficiency. We're working from completion, not towards completion. Our very life becomes a ministry to others through the overflow of Christ's work in us. Saturate, like we just talked about, then becomes a reality. And if we falter through pride or unbelief, we just open the door with humility and faith. We just say, yep, I have nothing to bring to this situation. God, you move. That's it. In every conversation, every thought, as simple as that. It's amazing. We went to the Mullumbimby pub the other night and um, just had a little meal with our family. It wasn't planned. We just were there. And we're standing out the front of the supermarket. There's some homeless guys there. We talked to them. There's some... Japanese buskers I was really interested in, playing guitar. He was there, had a chat. I'm standing in the pub with our five-month-old Anaya, just over my shoulder. And, you know, when you've got this awareness that God is through all and in all and his love, the true concept of God, you know, and that he's in you, it's an amazing awareness, an amazing feeling that you have in life. And I'm standing there, and Anaya's this little people magnet. You know, she just looks at everyone and they just come up and they sort of, they connect and they, they want to... So this guy comes up. I actually didn't know who was there. This thing starts talking behind me. I'm like, oh, oh, hi, how you going? And he's talking to Anaya. And I, immediately I'm just like, you know what? This guy is here because God wants him here. I'm here because God wants me here. Anaya's, I'm holding her for a reason. And this situation has got all over it. Now, I'm not there on a mission trip. I'm not there for any other reason. I'm just there in life. And so I was talking to this guy. And I just had this awareness of how lonely he was. How he probably... He may have grandkids he doesn't see. I don't know. I don't know the situation and we don't have to. But the point is I know he was touched simply because Christ is in me. And it's not something for my glory. I'm at the end of myself. I don't know anything about this situation. I'm just here getting a meal. But here he is. And, you know, our walking everyday life is filled with Christ. 
and we just have to believe it. We don't have to do anything to be ministers of the gospel. We are. We already are. We're there. All of that Christ is and that he was 2,000 years ago has legally reached right through to the 29th of May 2016 and here we are, Christ in us. What an amazing truth. It is so energising, it's so real, it's so touching. I cry every time I think about it because it's so real and I think about how much of my life I wasted trying to please others and pleasing God. It's terrible, it's bondage. And I've seen my life change so much since I've gotten out of the way you know, I had a scholarship for uni. I was, you know, school captain of sport and everything. I, I had all this stuff, but it was all about me. I didn't know. I was trying to please people and get my needs met. But since I've come to my knees, my life has expanded so much. And it's actually God doing it. It's his life anyway. He gave me life. He, you know, there's nothing more wonderful than being just loved and, and directed and having Christ's love flow through you. And I just want to encourage you all this morning with that truth. Christ is in us. Amen. Cool. I love that quote. Thanks, mate. Thanks for being so open. And that's cool. how it is, isn't it? Yeah. I remember once I said to an older Christian brother, I said, I always feel like I let God down. And he said, did you think you were holding him up? <laughs> and it dawned on me, yeah, I, I sometimes think I am holding him up. It's funny how we think we can add things to our salvation. I think Mal showed us that this morning, that we can't add anything to our salvation. <clears throat> now I'm going to cry. I've said beautiful too much today. We've talked a bit... No, not going to cry. But it's true. We think we can add to our salvation. Mal hit a big point this morning. He said, he said, in our Christian life, we're working from completion, <clears throat> not towards completion. And that just sets us free. That's what we have that the rest of the world doesn't have and that they want. So, hmm. it's good to share that. Okay, let's stand and sing.